Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Reach. This is your host, Jessica Van. I'm the founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group and host of our show. And today I am so excited for this conversation. Uh, I have the honor of speaking with Cherie Barfield. Hi, Cherie. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. So Cherie is executive assistant at Meta, formerly Facebook, and most important for today's program, she's also the owner of Cherie's Southern Kitchen. And the reason I'm so excited to talk about or to talk with Cherie today is because, well, one, um, I love your story and I'm really excited to tell it and, and give you the opportunity to tell it rather. Um, but I also just love talking about food and I feel like food is just the most fun and the single greatest way that we can relate to each other as people and as humans and share our cultures and share experiences. So this is going to be a really fun episode. So by way of background, Cherie has over 26 years of administrative experience and has devoted much of her life to the EA profession. You've worked for tech giants like Cisco, Google, Microsoft, Gilead, and as we mentioned already, you're currently at Facebook Meta, supporting the leaders of the tech world. You've held various demanding support positions, and as any good EA does, you've made your executives' goals and objectives your number one priority. That is until very recently. So um, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm really giddy about this episode because I can promise you it's one of those really feel-good stories that just kind of warms your heart. And I think there is something so beautiful and truly inspiring about seeing someone go after their dreams. And your story makes me think of one of my favorite quotes, um, which is uh, the following, the things that excite you are not random. They are connected to your purpose. So follow them. So on that note today, we're going to hear all about your journey from EA to food entrepreneur, how you've launched your own soul food catering company known as Cherie Southern Kitchen. And uh, for those of you who are joining us and feeling a little hungry already, you may just want to hit pause and get some snacks. I know I did because it's really hard to talk about food and deliciousness and not get even hungrier. So anyway, um, without any further ado, so Cherie, um, tell us, how did your love for cooking and particularly soul food come about? My love for soul food developed um, and cooking developed at a really early age. Um, my mom was a single mom. She worked in corporate America, and I was pretty much considered a latchkey kid back in the day. And she worked a lot of hours and came home pretty late. And I always had a love for food and just eating in general. And so I would get in the kitchen and I would prepare and try to, you know, experiment and make some of the meals that she would make. And I found over the years that there were a lot of amazing cooks in my family. 
both of my grandmothers, one of them was a chef for the Oakland School District and um, from Louisiana, having that influence. And they would always prepare these amazing meals for my family, you know, for holidays. And it would bring everyone together. And there was just so much joy and happiness in that. And I would sit in the kitchen with my grandmother for hours and I would learn so much about, you know, just wisdom from her and uh, watching her prepare these beautiful dishes. And then once everyone would come together, there would, again, be lots of love and joy in the house. And I grew up again as as an only child. So my extended family was um, my family, like my close family. And so from there, I just found that throughout life, I was a nurturer and I could give back to people and show love through food. And so that's kind of where I'm at with it. And that's, that's where it developed. Yeah. I love that. I think that there's so many lessons to be gleaned in the kitchen way beyond the lessons of food itself and, you know, the recipes, but just the lessons, right? Like that's where all the good stuff happens. That's where all that's where all the stories get told. That's where your grandma like, you know, breaks it down and <laughs> tells you what's what. Like it, it's just, I feel like there's so many, so many of my favorite moments and best experiences as a child for yeah. sure happen at the kitchen, 100%. So what does food and cooking represent to you? Um, when I'm in the kitchen, I am at peace. I'm able Mm -hmm. to, I'm a mother of four. So I always, and I support high level executives. And so I'm always um, having to multitask and having a lot to deal with uh, multiple um, priorities. And when I'm in the kitchen, I find that there's peace and I can actually hear myself think and Mm -hmm. I can um, create um, these wonderful dishes to share with people. And I just truly get pleasure out of sharing my food and having people enjoy the food and the feedback from the food and just bringing smiles to their face and just pleasing people. I think mm-hmm. it just translate, translates also into me being a career EA and nurturing these executives and helping them be successful. Yeah, it's, very much yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on that note, you know, as we mentioned, you've spent 26 years supporting these executives and the organizations that, you know, that, that they manage or um, head up. And you're still an executive assistant currently. Um, so what changed in order for you to feel like you were ready to take this leap in, in actually supporting your own dreams as well? Well, several things happened. Uh, about six months ago, I changed roles and, um, My hiring manager, after he hired me, he reached out to me and let me know that he was going to be taking a leave of absence, that he needed a mental break, and that he was going to leave me with some various projects and and allow me just time to ramp up. And he'd be back in several months. And so I was left with, you know, feeling like my whole entire future was tied to someone else's future. And what if he didn't return? Um, Would I be bounced around? Would I be supporting someone else? You know? Um, And so I decided at that time that it was time for me to finally lean into my own passions and figure out what it is that I wanted out of my future. I have children and I wanted to leave them a legacy. 
and something that they could be proud of, something that they could attach themselves that would be ours. And although I find great pride in supporting these leaders and helping them accomplish their goals, I've at the same time always felt like my dreams were on hold and that I was putting other people in front of me. So I had a little bit of time and um, previous roles had kept me working 12 to 14 hour days. And I was also experiencing burnout, but there was no time left for Shuri in uh, what was important to me in my future. And I just knew that time was ticking and that I needed to do something soon while I was still capable. Mm-hmm. And um, I just put one foot in front of the other. And then I also have a middle son that actually, he harassed me daily, <laughs> probably oh. for the last two years to encourage me to go after my dreams. And then he implemented a full business plan for me and brought it to me and then strategized uh, for my logo. And it just prompted me and everything kind of just fell into place. And again, I just put one foot in front of the other and figured out a strategy. And here we are today. Wow. What an incredible gift to do for his mama. That's really, really something. Is he the son that's, you have a LinkedIn post that you, yes. that you featured announcing? That's him, I take that it. That is him, oh, yes. That's so nice. Yeah. That's, I, I was going to ask you what your first step was. So it sounds like the first step was him kind of prodding you along and, and putting together this business plan and and, and showing you how you could do it. I mean, is that, is that accurate or what what were your first steps? That is pretty accurate. And me just making a lot of excuses and, but I also didn't have the bandwidth. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I had to strategically position myself in a role that would, would allow me some, the opportunity to focus on myself as well. I hadn't been able to do that in the previous roles. So Mm -hmm. I think it just all fell into place and it was just, it was just time. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting to hear you you talk about the prelude to to all of this, which was that your executive decided to kind of take a pause on his career, or maybe it's her career. Sorry, I don't don't know. But um, in any case, your executive took a pause. And we talked previously on this program, we had um, another guest, Julia Quijano, talk about how the great resignation is also impacting executives and kind of shedding that perspective as well on how this whole climate, like post-pandemic climate, has really caused a lot of people to go through this internal reckoning of, well, what are my goals? What are my dreams? What do I what do I stand for? What do I want to leave as my legacy? What what kind of experiences do I want to have um, in this lifetime? And it's interesting to hear you say that because it sounds like that executive went through their own kind of moment of pause and who knows, maybe it was part of that whole, you know, resignation movement that we saw happening in mass, um, you know, about a year ago. And, but what's so cool is it, it sort of, you know, forced you along your own trajectory and created that, that moment for you to actually have some breathing space and headspace to, to do it. And I, I love that. And what a great thing that you were able to capitalize on that. Thank you so much, Jessica. Yeah. So did you know what was going to be on the menu? Was it like kind of an obvious where it's like, well, mom, you obviously need to, need to have these and these and these things. Like what, what did that look like? What was that creative process like? Gosh. So I just, um, 
my menu consists of every dish that I can make well. Um, that I actually cook outside of just soul food, and I will eventually have different variations of menus. But soul food, I do do well, and I do have a love for it. So when I was creating the menu, I my son is you know he's in his mid twenties, early twenties, and he has a different take on food. Right, he's from a different generation, and so he kept wanting me to twist certain recipes and change them slightly um, versus the traditional recipes. So we kind of went back and forth with those. And I'm like, these are the things that I make well. These are the things that you've been encouraging me to do. And so I don't think it's good for me to start a business and change now. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe later we can have some different variations. But (laughs) as far as what I'm going to serve now, it's the staples. And so my menu has all of the traditional soul food. And then two, it actually has a Creole influence. My father's mother is Creole. She's from Louisiana. My family on my dad's side is from Louisiana. So that also has an influence on the food, um, the gumbos and the jambalayas and the Creole variations that are also added to the menu. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually my favorite dish to prepare is gumbo. So mm, you are speaking yeah. my language. Yeah. <laughs> that's my love language right there. <laughs> yeah. We went back and forth and I'm like, this is the way it's going to go. And then we can twist later. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, why do you have to mess with a good thing? Gumbo is great. Like, I'm, I'm curious what he wanted to see innovated on gumbo. Like, it's oh delicious. My gosh. Yeah. That's a whole nother yeah. conversation. A whole nother conversation. If, if you tell me he's suggesting a vegan gumbo, I'm done. Like, it's no. Well, he didn't want the seafood in the gumbo, which... Oh, God. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. So we've agreed to have, you know, a couple variations. Ch- chicken and sausage and then a seafood gumbo. Okay. All right. So I'm I'm curious because I, I can think of a lot, but obviously you as somebody that has lived this life know know best. Like what are what are the transferable skills that you think you're bringing from your executive assistant career into the launch of this business and how you're running it and how you're structuring it? I'd love to hear kind of some of that that crossover that you've observed. Well, you know, the EA role, you have to have excellent organizational skills. Um, in our roles daily, we manage multiple schedules or task lists, multiple projects at once, and track company records and information, which enables us, you know, to be successful, which is the same skill set that's required in managing your own business. So I would say multitasking, having to manage multi multiple projects is something that translates into have um, starting your own business. Leadership, I believe EAs are leaders in their own right. And an example of that transferring into my business is leading my organization as owner and founder, right? Creating a brand that is reputable and professional. And that is also what EAs do. We create a brand and we create a reputation that precedes us. So I think there's a lot of thing, uh, skills that EAs have that translates. It just is a matter of putting yourself first and in, in just believing in oneself. Mm-hmm. And when you say, um, <clears throat> you know, leading your organization, uh, is your vision to, to scale this? And, and like, I guess, what would be the ultimate vision for, Gosh. for, for your catering <laughs> the business? The vision for me is to have a brick and mortar 
I have been working to try to strategize and figure out how to get to that moment. And so I have been having pop-ups. And so I wanted to create a brand, again, that would be professional. It would also be elegant um, and it would be known for fresh food. And so I had to figure out how I could get that out to the public, not just open up and then fail, right? Many restaurants do that. So my ultimate goal is a brick and mortar. And I actually do have a lot of interest. People are reaching out. They want to eat now. They don't want to wait for another (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) pop-up. But again, um, I am still working at Meta, which has also grew me in ways I could never have imagined. Um, which partially, I think, has set me up for success. And so, you know, I had a recent discussion with my boss because I did have to let him know that this is something that I am passionate about. And we just decided, like, if this is something that grows so big, then um, I would have someone else manage it. And so I, I don't know that I would be ready to actually stop supporting executives. I actually like being an executive assistant. It's something that I fell into. It wasn't something that I pursued. And it's something that I'm really good at. So again, I have four children and I can put Mm -hmm. them to work. I have a full village around me, right? Mm -hmm. And really good friends like family. So I think that I could make it work. But ultimately, I would like to just be a business owner and work for myself someday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I I love the the pop-up. I guess, strategy. Um, and I know you had one recently and I, I had actually wanted to go, but I was out of town um, that the weekend that you held it. But um, I would have I would have loved to have gone because it, it, what I like that you're doing is it seems like you're really incorporating a complete experience that extends beyond just the food. I feel like the food is kind of the um, it's sort of the context and it sets the tone for the experience. But from from what I can gather you're really interested in creating community and, you know, sparking conversation, sparking, um, sparking joy and interaction. And, you know, like, for instance, like you have, you know, you had a DJ that was mixing like Motown tunes and things like that. And I just thought that was such, it just sounded so fun. It sounded so complete. Like, um, you know, it wasn't, it was, it was like a standalone event in its own right. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was a lot of work that went into that, Jessica. A lot of people don't realize I actually had to take the event space and I had to reimagine it and create what I was trying to envision. And so most people just cook, right? They are not an event planner as well. But my experience is planning events, right, for for executives uh, internationally, domestically, so I can create an event from end to end. So my, my business and my brand is creating the entire experience. Um, and again, so it did take, it took a lot of work, but it was so well worth it. And I, the feedback was that it was just an amazing overall experience and they want more. So I anticipate I'll pop up again, probably in February. I have a couple of events coming up in the next couple of months that are keeping me pretty busy, but I will be popping up soon. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's great. And I mean, going back to the whole discussion we were having about transferable skills, I mean, I think that's a huge one, right? I mean, knowing how to orchestrate an event, soup to nuts, you know, being able to think through all the different contingency plan situations, 
you know, thinking about all of the need requirements that you have for that event, thinking about the, you know, the spatial conditions, the spatial constraints, what types of equipment and resources you'll need. I mean, there's, there's just a lot that goes into it. And I, I would imagine that, you know, having done the type of work that you've done for the last 26 years, you've had ample experience in, you know, probably also having to troubleshoot when things go wrong and having, you know, backup plans for, for these events, right? Yes, definitely. (laughs) Always need a backup plan. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, my mother used to always say, because I also come from a long line of cooks, and um, you know, hearing you talk about your childhood, it, it sounds a, a lot like mine. Single mom, only child, lots of time in the kitchen. Um, I mean, I, I just grew up. I feel like I spent my whole childhood just chopping. Like it was just like <laughs> chopping something, and it was, and and I loved it because it was just like, okay, well, come over here and chop this, and what happened at school today? Okay, well, come over here and chop that, and and what do you have going on for homework? And what well, what did so and so say? And it was just like that was, and I'm like, now to this day, I'm like, I'm like really fast at chopping. I'm like, yeah, that's a lot of practice. But um, anyway, my mom used to always say that the sign of a great cook is somebody who can make something out of virtually nothing. And she, God, was she good at that? I mean, she could literally open the fridge. Well, I would open the fridge, and I would be like, Mom. Uh, like there's nothing to eat. She'd be like, step aside, let me see. And then she would open the refrigerator and inevitably she would throw together like some delicious meal. And I was like, how did you pull that off? You know? So I guess my question to you is what is your favorite go-to meal when the fridge is nearly empty and the cupboards are bare and you've got to pull it together? What is the Cherie staple (laughs) pull a rabbit out of your hat meal? Um, I would have to say meatloaf, um, having, you know, four kids and having to stretch meals at times and working so much and not wanting to cook, you know, every single day, we usually always have hamburger meat and have some type of veggies, right. And bread mm-hmm. of some sort mm-hmm. in the house. So mm-hmm. I could always throw together a meatloaf and my kids loved it. Um, that mashed potatoes, um, if we didn't have mashed potatoes, I would open up a box of Kraft macaroni and cheese. That actually kind of sounds really disgusting right now, but that in a can of green beans, like is mm-hmm. an easy meal to throw together. And again, it stretches quite a mm-hmm. bit, quite a bit mm-hmm. when you have, when you have multiple kids. <laughs> so yeah. that would be my favorite. And then second would be breakfast. I just, I love breakfast and we would always have some type of eggs bacon, something in the house, waffles, be able to just throw together and have breakfast for dinner. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love breakfast for dinner. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> one. <laughs> so what what advice or encouragement do you have for our executive assistant listeners who are considering maybe starting their own side hustle? Um, or, you know, maybe like yourself, they have this passion project that they've been sort of putting on the back burner for years and they want to give it a go. What, what advice do you have for them for how to get started or how to balance, you know, that with their um, primary job? Would love to, to hear kind of what you've learned so far in this journey. Gosh, I would have to say the most important thing is to listen to your inner, your inner self. And, you know, in 2021, I created a vision chart and I had four Fs. That's how I framed it. And it first was uh, 
faith and then family, Facebook, and then um, food. And I prioritized every single thing except for food uh, this over this last year. And I just, the advice I would give is just to, if you're passionate about something or you're really good at something and, and you find that that brings you complete joy, just to believe in yourself. Don't listen to anyone else. And if you can hone in on that and try to keep it to yourself um, so that no one can destroy your vision or your dreams, because people will try to deter you from moving forward when they know that you're going after something great. Mm -hmm. So again, just believing in yourself, having the faith to step out, prioritizing yourself. Um, it, it might involve like, you know, just silencing it out or just isolating yourself from the rest of the world or people and just investing in yourself, spending time to yourself to figure out what's important to you and, you know, kind of what makes you happy and just prioritizing that any way possible. If that means you're giving up your evenings or you're waking up in the morning before the rest of the household and putting a plan into action, but doing something that's actionable to help towards build towards your future. Um, I say that that's very important and you should prioritize that with everything that you have and don't wait until it's too late, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, just act and don't be afraid. Just that's all I can say. And then, and then for me, I'm just a faith-based person. So I believe that God just put that in me and um, it's part of my purpose. So it's important for everyone to try to figure out what their purpose and their true passion is. Mm -hmm. And that's why I really, I go back to that quote that I opened with because I really do believe that. I believe that, you know, tuning into what you care about, that's a clue. You know, that's a, that's a signal, like what interests you and what, what intrigues you, what, what sparks your curiosity you know, that's a sign that's indicative of something. And that could, that could be linked to, to your calling and to your moment for greatness and, or even if not greatness, happiness, right. You know, fulfillment, like not everything needs to lead necessarily to tremendous wealth or whatever. It could just be tremendous fulfillment and, and, you know, feeling really good about, um, about what you're doing and feeling really fulfilled by that. And I, I, I really do agree with you. It's like, you know, when you have something that's really, that's really special to you and, you know, there's always going to be naysayers and it, it kind of listening to you talk, it reminds me like when you're, when you're pregnant or you're about to have a child, everybody's, you know, Oh, what's the baby? What names are you thinking of? It's like, don't share the name. Just don't, just don't share the name with people. Exactly. because then, then you invite, you know, then you invite opinions and sometimes, those opinions, while well-intended, can also be really destructive and, you know, um, make you question, oh, God, no, maybe we shouldn't go with that name or whatever. And it's like, so sometimes you also have to know what is that right balance of, you know, seeking support from your community or the people that, you know, that, that, that you love versus also just holding some things private and sacred because you don't necessarily want to invite the criticism or the opinions, you know, of others. Um, I think that's a, a, a really important point that you made. Yes. So um, where can our listeners learn more about your next pop-up? How can they follow you? Um, tell us all about that. 
Okay, so I have a website. My website is www.shereesouthernkitchen.com. And it's one S, shereesouthernkitchen.com. And Sheree is with a C-H, correct? My name, yes, it's C-H-E-R-I-E, southernkitchen.com, all one word. Um, So they can follow my website. I will update it with anything that's happening um, in the near future. And then I also have an Instagram page, which is Sheree Southern Kitchen. Mm -hmm. And they can follow me there as well. Okay, great. Fantastic. Um, So I have a final question for you. And that is, if there is someone that you could support, it could be anybody throughout the world or history, um, who would you choose to support and why? Okay, this is going to be a shocker, but I would have to say it would be Jay-Z. Ooh, (laughs) okay. Tell us more. (laughs) Yeah. So... Um, he's, he's just such a powerful person and he transcended from a corner hustler to an entertainment mogul and he's worth $1.3 billion. I would just love the opportunity to have the exposure to him and his business acumen and learn from him. I just think that would be the best opportunity ever. Um, one of my favorite quotes from Jay-Z is belief in oneself and knowing who you are is the foundation for everything great. And um, I guess that would be that would be the person if I had the opportunity. Yeah. Well, and what a what a great quote that you selected because that really does I think tie in so well to everything else we've been talking about, which is that it has to start with you being brave enough to listen to yourself because mm-hmm. I think that sometimes we have those, those voices or those instincts that call us to certain things, but we also stifle them, right? Because sometimes there's a fear there or there's that doubt or that self, you know, self-betrayal, self-doubt, the criticism of, of others. You, you can so easily talk yourself out of, out of things. But I think that like he's encouraging too, like it starts with you and it starts with you know, owning up to that and, and being willing to, um, to listen to yourself and your passion. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Cherie, I just wish you so much success with this. I, I love hearing your story. I think it's wonderful how supportive your children are and, uh, and your community. And I think this is really something very beautiful that you're doing um, to support yourself and build, you know, um, that, that tradition and that legacy for your family. So I just wish you nothing but the best. And I look forward to uh, hopefully attending one of these pop-ups. Sounds like February is my next opportunity. So I will be looking for that. But thank you so much for joining us and, and sharing your story with us. Thank you so, so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. If you've enjoyed being part of our podcast community and are interested in becoming part of our candidate community, we're currently hiring for roles in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and Los Angeles. You can visit us at www.mavenrec.com to see some of the roles we're currently working on and to submit your resume.